Welcome to Thinking Outside the Sandbox, a space broadcasting UBC professors from the Faculty of Education sharing their knowledge on interdisciplinary learning and teacher education. This podcast is brought to you by SCARF Digital Sandbox. On behalf of the SCARF Sandbox team, we acknowledge and think that we have the opportunity to conduct our work on the traditional, ancestral, and unceded territory of the Musqueam people. On today's episode, we will be listening about the challenges that emerge when teaching and learning in an interdisciplinary manner, moving along these five points. One, why is it challenging for some teachers to begin to think and teach in an interdisciplinary way? Two, the challenges of unlearning the disciplinary deficit model we grew up in. Three, the uncomfortable feeling from not knowing. Four, getting teachers the time to plan interdisciplinary lessons. Five, what an interdisciplinary curriculum brings to the Department of Home Economics when being taught dissected along different areas. The following interview recordings are meant to acknowledge the fact that teaching and learning through the interdisciplinary model is easier said than done. We hope that by listening to other education professionals share their own struggles, we might all move past the discomfort and allow ourselves to try. To open on today's topic of discussion, we have for you Dr. Shan Letty, a member of the Métis Nation with ties to the Red River community on her father's side, therefore identifies as an Indigenous person, but also was raised by her mother, a second-generation Irish-Canadian, which makes her identify as a settler person as well. Currently, she is an instructor in Indigenous education in the Faculty of Education here at UBC, and she works for the Department of Curriculum and Pedagogy. We asked Dr. Letty why she thought it was so challenging for some teachers to begin to think and teach in an interdisciplinary way. This is what she answered. I mean, I think that we are institutionalized. That's the answer. You know, we all grow up, we go through the school system, most of us go through the public school system, and that's the way the days are structured. And if we think about the history of, of public schooling, uh, it's designed on that factory model because that's who uh, the designers were trying to turn out, people that were going to become part of a, a pretty standardized workforce. But I think as our world has changed and as our, our world becomes more pluralistic with globalization and lots of um, people migrating from place to place throughout their lives, we have to think differently about how we deliver schooling. We have done ourselves a disservice by sticking so tightly to that model because I think that does um, make it more challenging for people to break out of the box and think about delivering the kind of education that they know would actually be best for students. I think that a lot of important scientific research has been done and accomplished astonishing things by breaking down uh, things into their constituent parts, whether we're talking about disease pathology or whether we're talking about the development of medicines. But I think perhaps one of the failures in that particular field has been the consideration of the human patient 
as a whole person who needs to actually be viewed within the context of their life, not because they've got tendonitis in this one elbow and this is the only thing we're going to look at. You know, that becomes from whatever other set of circumstances. And I think that, so, so when we think about the idea of interdisciplinary education um, through the K-12 school system, our students, <laughs> whom we love, um, they are going to be doctors, they are going to be lawyers, they are going to be grocery che checkout people if we still have those in 20 years. You know, so, the, so this interdisciplinarity as a way of thinking, as a sort of a transformed mode of thinking, is really important because they're going to carry that with them. So going back to the beginning of the conversation where we talked about, you know, why is it so challenging? for teachers, uh, for some teachers to, to begin to think and, and teach in these ways, it's that mold that we all come out of. So interdisciplinary teaching and learning um, is going to be helpful in breaking that mold. And then as these people filter up into all of the jobs they'll occupy in the future, they're gonna carry that with them. And I think we'll have a better, a better planet. Highlighting Dr. Letty's words, mentioning that as our world becomes more pluralistic, we have to rethink the model through which we are delivering schooling, focusing the problem on the disciplinary model that is usually being taught. Which brings us into this beautiful concept of unlearning this standardized way of thinking. This concept was spoken by Dr. Hartley Bannock, a lecturer in the Department of Curriculum and Pedagogy in the Faculty of Education here at UBC, teaching both undergraduate student candidates as well as graduate courses in HOPE, which stands for Health, Outdoor, and Physical Education. We asked Dr. Hartley what he thought were the challenges against interdisciplinary education. This is what he had to say about it. I see the challenges as being mostly situated in learners themselves. And what I've observed after years of working with the teacher candidates here at UBC is that most of us are schooled. And when I say schooled, I mean that we've been in a formal school setting for large percentage of our lives. So this is a big challenge I notice. When I work with the teacher candidates here, sometimes they'll complain about the interdisciplinary approaches that I use but I think their complaints come from a position of this schooling, that they're not used to this other way. And so for them, they're critical about it or they feel like they want to push back. And we might say that learning is one thing, but unlearning is something else. And unlearning is really important if you've been schooled in a certain way of being for long periods of time, how do you give time for people to unlearn, to shift and be otherwise? So when I think of the challenges, this is the biggest challenge I see. And particularly, I see it occurring in the hard sciences. So mathematics, physics, chemistry, when I work with the secondary teacher candidates in these areas, my sense is that they often feel that they have an obligation to the discipline to carry or protect this knowledge from one generation to the next. So when I come and I say, okay, let's forget about that and let's think interdisciplinarily and act interdisciplinarily, often people get 
their hackles up. They become a little defensive because it works against what they think their mandate is. And this is challenging. And here at UBC, we move very quickly. Our program is 11 months. Unlearning takes a long time. It requires time and distance and returning. So we haven't set up a system here that necessarily permits people to begin exploring it. Furthermore, oftentimes when they go into their practicum placements, they'll say the school associate who they're working with at the school sees the discipline as being very important. So they're getting a reinforcement from one voice, whereas here at UBC we might say something else. We also create learners who are generally in a deficit model to the teachers. The teacher and the books have the knowledge, the learners want that knowledge, so they're getting filled with that knowledge. Interdisciplinary learning, from my perspective, doesn't start from a deficit model. It starts from a model of holism that says we all have something to give and learn and participate in this situation, and we're going to figure out what that is collectively through the experience. It's not that somebody needs to first gain a certain amount of knowledge before they're entitled to move to that next step or that next stage of expertise. And we still see it here at the university. We continue to specialize and specialize and specialize and specialize. So over a lifetime, that narrowing reinforces a disciplinary way of thinking versus an interdisciplinary way of thinking. So it, and not just thinking of being. So it's not so easy to just say, okay, switch it up now, we're gonna be interdisciplinary. Well, we have to let go of all of these practice that we started thinking about when we were five years old or four years old. So this is the biggest challenge I see with interdisciplinary learning. People are not used to it, they're not comfortable with it. They feel beholden to another tradition that they feel that they need to maintain and uphold. So it takes time and we don't have enough time. Dr. Hartley mentions that there might be resistance to learn and teach interdisciplinarily from the system that reinforces the traditional disciplinary way of doing things. To speak of the discomfort felt by many when working outside their own compartments, I'm happy to introduce Dr. Marina Milner Bolton, Assistant Professor of Science Education in the Department of Curriculum and Pedagogy. She is a math and science teacher of more than 20 years and has been teaching K-12 as well as secondary teachers for half that time. Up next, we give you a small part of her interview. A lot of people who have been teachers for a long time, they are so comfortable knowing it all. I've taught something many, many years in a row, and of course I know this. And I'm used to know. I'm used that if a student asks me a question, I immediately know the answer. But as soon as you get out of your comfort zone and you look at the intersections of something that you know less of, you might not know the answer or you might have found that your answer was an incorrect one. So I think the biggest challenge is to, for, for teachers' ego to realize that as much as you are a teacher and you know, there is much more that you don't know than what you know. And if you realize that and you use it as an opportunity to show your students, yes, you will not know something when you, uh, when you become teachers and that's how we deal with it. We're not going to hide the lack of knowledge. We're going to try and learn new things. And if I don't know, I say, you know what? I don't know. At UBC, the challenge is for us that 
how our courses are structured. I teach physics methods, somebody else teaches biology methods. Do we know what another person is doing? Do we have the time to observe their lessons? The issue is the teaching load, I think. Dr. Marina milner Bolton encourages teachers to explore the potential of not knowing. However, she sees another challenge, which is the amount of work that needs to be done in a span of time. She isn't the only one that is concerned over the time that it takes for teachers to prepare and work in this interdisciplinary model. Dr. Sandrine Hahn is an associate professor from the Faculty of Education, Curriculum, and Pedagogy, who specializes in art education and researches on visual culture, the virtual world, and how to apply virtual reality to our education. She shares the same concern, identifying time as a great challenge that interdisciplinary model faces within the schools. This is exactly what she thinks. I heard that some teachers say, I work uh, in the union, so I only work in the working hours. I don't work extra. So when two teachers come together, sit and talk, that's two blocks time. Um, the government, the, the school, the policy didn't design this kind of time. So this means two people's salary devoted on one block of time. And that's, does that worth it? If you really want a solid learning, you need to help teachers to have that time to sit together and think and brainstorming what kind of things, projects we can do together to make things happen. But they will say, Oh, art and math together, that's two people's time. Mm, do we like it? Art and math and science, oh no, that's three people now. Oh, art and science and um, technology, oh no, 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 that's four. And the more people together, they will say, oh wow, we pay you to talk. Yes, you are paying teachers to sit together, come up with project ideas for the students. Dr. Sundrin Han describes a flaw in design within education, a system not necessarily planned for interdisciplinary work. However, this does not mean that models under a sort of interdisciplinary design don't pose their own challenges. Dr. Carrie Renwick is an assistant professor here at UBC specialized in home ec education that works within the Faculty of Education in the Department of Curriculum and Pedagogy. In her interview, she shared with us the challenges of teaching home economics when the pieces of knowledge are scattered and intertwined within the disciplines. We cannot be anything but interdisciplinary when we talk about home economics education. And it's that very reason that's made it easy for people to think home economics is dead and gone. When it hasn't gone anywhere, it's still there. But shifts and changes in universities, um, particularly in the 1980s, where universities like UBC closed down schools of home economics. But what they did was parcel up the pieces. So what's actually happened? It's, it's actually been dissected and passed out to whole lots of different areas. And that even includes the resources that existed that were um, 
collected and, and used by home economists um, and academics that were home economists. And that's been parceled out and used by other people. Um, but they now call it their area rather than recognising that actually its basis is in fact home economics education. So the challenge that I face at UBC is not defending um, home economics as an interdisciplinary area. It is. You know, and I think I've well and truly demonstrated that. But it's then how do you bring these pieces back together again, given that we don't have a school of home economics, in order to be able to have a baseline um, body of knowledge that means that young professionals who want to be home economists have enough to be able to claim to take on that specialisation. And so that's where the creativity certainly has to come from in order to build up that underpinning knowledge. Um, I think the challenge is because there is no school of home economics where that bringing together of disciplines in an interdisciplinary play is not the natural or normal way of being. So if I am working in land and food systems, it's focused in and around food and food production and what that might mean and probably dietetics and nutrients. But then if I threw in textiles, the two are quite separate and quite different. Whereas one of the things that I had was that they were constantly being brought together in the development of my professional practice. So I think the challenge then becomes, um, if for instance, someone has done food and nutrition, but they haven't done food science, then how do they work with young people then to talk about what's going on um, with the chemistry, with the physics around the food that they're actually producing. So one of the challenges I think is that if you're pulling information from whole lots of different disciplines, but there is not a focus on bringing them together in an interdisciplinary way, then it's probably not going to happen to the same extent. So it needs to be quite a deliberate act. If after listening to Dr. Carrie Renwick, you are interested on listening more on home economics, we suggest you tune in to our next episode on food science and interdisciplinary learning and teaching. On that note, we come to the end of today's podcast and would like to give thanks to Dr. Shan Letty, Dr. Hartley Bannock, Dr. Marina milner Bolton, Dr. Sandrine Hahn, and Dr. Carrie Renwick for taking their time and sharing their knowledge on the challenges of interdisciplinary learning and teaching. Also, we gratefully acknowledge the support of the Teacher Education Office, CTLT, Work Learn UBC, and the financial support provided by UBC Vancouver students via the Teaching and Learning Enhancement Fund.